Hey, what's up, everybody? On this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to get into the aftermath of the Super Bowl, um, how the Philadelphia Eagles won it, how the Patriots lost it, and we're going to talk about the NBA trade deadline, who's up, can the Cavs be helping for the Warriors to stop crying like babies on this week of Guys Talking Sports. everybody welcome to another edition of guys talking sports where we are here talking sports about guys with no particular format no particular way just shooting straight from the hip so tonight i'm here with my boys ace and big al guys how you feeling tonight it's uh, another wonderful day in zamunda <laughs> um i'm i'm guess i'm doing okay um yeah i'm just waking up like I'm, I'm catching up on sleep, so just bear with me with everything that's going on. But I'm doing good overall. <laughs> so am I. And if it's a wonderful day in Zamunda Ace, I guess it's a wonderful day in Wakanda as well. Um, Black Panther coming up. Shameless plug. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to get right into it. We've been off for about a week or so. So, of course, we all know what happened, what went down. The Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles finally getting their first chip, bringing it home to the city of Philly beating the New England Patriots in a very high-scoring game. Not a whole lot of defense, some drama, but definitely uh, one of the better um, Super Bowl games we've had probably in the last couple of years. So, um, guys, what do you take on this? I'm not sure who we, who picked whom, but um, so what do you take? What are your thoughts about the game? Did it come up where you thought it was? Um, do you think Nick Foles is going to cause any kind of QB controversy? And I do believe there's some drama brewing over in the Patriots after all of this more to come. So, guys, let me. So, first off, let's start off. Your thoughts about the Super Bowl? Um, I thought it was wildly entertaining. Uh, I I I love the fact that uh, Peterson uh had his foot in the throat of the giant and never took his foot off the throat until he pretty much was. Snapped his neck at the very end. So it was very refreshing to see a team actually go at the Patriots and not fear them and attempt to score any which way possible, regardless of down, regardless of situation. And uh, this really took it to New England in a way I, I don't think they've ever – I mean, they've fought adversity in Super Bowls before, but I don't think they've ever – had to uh, had to overcome the scenario where a team was just, you know, you punch them in the face, they punch back, uh, Philly punch back again, New England punches back, but then Philly comes back, punches them in the face with a jab, and then catches them with the other, you know, with an uppercut, with that uh, that sit, that sack strip fumble uh, that really caught New England off guard and really kind of just dampened how the game was going to kind of play out. So it was uh, very exciting. Um, happy to see a new Super Bowl champion. Um, excited for Philadelphia. Not so excited for some of their fans, but, you know, I guess when it's your first time, you kind of do some crazy things. But kudos to Philly. Kudos to uh, the organization and I will hold off on anything beyond the game until we explore 
the next segment. Yeah, I also agree with that. Um, to be honest, I we echo your words. Um, I thought that it was a truly an exciting game. I thought that you know, um, it's, like I said, like you said, Ace, it was good to see somebody play to win and not play to not lose a game. Um, I thought that that should have been something that Jacksonville should take note of, to be honest. Um, but it was good that Philadelphia did what they were supposed to do to win the game and not conserve. Um, that was the only way you was going to beat the Patriots. And, you know, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I picked the Patriots, but I was hoping for Philadelphia to win. Um, because now I don't have to talk about the Patriots, um, to, to an extent. Um, it's just good to see somebody else win for the first, um, for, for a while, for a nice change. Um, so kudos to Philadelphia Eagles for playing it the right way to win the Super Bowl. Um, kudos to Nick Foles for being the Super Bowl MVP for playing like he wanted to win the MVP. Um, I also echo about the Philly fans. I'm not too thrilled about all that, but you know, I also understand that it's the first time that they won in a long time. So, you know, I'll give the benefit of the doubt. Um, but all in all, kudos to Philadelphia. I thought the game was exciting. <clears throat> um, everything else, you know, I guess we'll, uh, we will hold down on the next segment, but I think it was a good Super Bowl overall. And it was exciting to see people actually rooting for Philadelphia to win, even though majority of the people <laughs> might not be Philadelphia fans. So. Well, I was not particularly in that majority group for them, actually. Um, <laughs> I was rooting for my own team self-interest. But uh, as a Giants fan, I have no love for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, only time I actually do root for the Eagles is when they play against uh, the Cowboys, who I even have less love for. So, But I will give the Eagles, you know, their their time in the sun. Congratulations to them. They played a hell of a game. Um, no defense until the last two minutes, you know. I will say that. Of course, the Giants beat Patriots when they have much better defense than what they showed on Sunday night, but that's neither here nor there. But um, I want to say it was a pretty good game. I mean, like as you said, um, Eagles Eagles struck first, which I thought they was. They came out and jumped on the nice early lead. Patriots battled back, and it was, you know, like you said, they they didn't do what a lot of teams did. They just didn't sit there and just catch a lead and try to rest in the laurels. They, you know, they kept the foot on the gas. I mean, even when Brady came in that second half and was – you know, started, you know, figuring out the defense and Gronk and, and, um, Gronk and Edelman started, you know, lighting them up a little bit. But, um, it came down to the fourth quarter and basically it was going to be who was going to make that mistake. And that's, you know, you know, strip fumble, you know, it was pretty much, you know, the, in my opinion, that was the turning point. I mean, everyone's going to talk about the quote unquote Billy special with the, um, with that, you know, quarterback, you know, you know, catching the end zone. However, that didn't really do much. I mean, it just gave him some points. Brady came back right after halftime, went down, a couple of plays, scored touchdowns, and to me, that made that touchdown the fourth and one, you know, not that relevant in my opinion, but it was the strip sack on Brady that basically told the game, because it wasn't for that. And all, and I think we can all can agree, I kind of had a feeling that Brady was probably going to march that rock right down and score and push that lead up. And then all that pressure is going to be right on Philly. But kudos to the Eagles. I'll give it to them. They played the game. They didn't, they didn't get the lead like a lot of people um, do. 
they kept the gas on and, you know, it was all about who's going to make their first mistake and the defense didn't do much the entire game. But when it came down to it at the end, when you needed to make a play, someone made a play, Philadelphia Eagles score, they're the world champions and the England Patriots right now are back to the drawing board. Well, I, I, I do want to touch on the one point where Al said that, uh, you know, Philly did what Jacksonville couldn't. It's not that I don't think Jacksonville couldn't. I think it was more so Philly had Nick Foles, who had the, they, they had the utmost confidence in leading their team down the field to score, whereas Jacksonville didn't feel very comfortable with Blake Bortles <laughs> being the quarterback and trying to lead them back. And that's why, even though they had a nice lead, they were unable to sustain it because they became really conservative on the flip side, you know, on a conscious, on a, on a very critical fourth down, fourth and seven play, I think it was, or fourth and six in the fourth quarter as Philly was driving to get that, uh, go ahead touchdown. I think they put him on five and Foles hit, hit, uh, the tight end on that slant route on that fourth down play to, to extend, uh, to extend the drive. That was clutch. You know, that was one of the uh, pivotal fourth down plays that was uh, real clutch in the fourth quarter that ex- that helped propel them to get that uh, touchdown, uh, that, you know, that five-point lead. And like everybody said, you know, the echoing the sediments of that, uh, that strip sack fumble, um, that pretty much sealed the deal uh, and allowed Philadelphia to, uh, to go away and become victorious. Now... I guess New England fans would say, you know, that hit on Brandon Cooks eliminated a portion of their of their offense, you know, Cooks being their their deep threat guy and you know, taking the top off the defenses, but I don't think Cooks being there or not would have made much of a difference only because there wasn't very much defense being played, so um I think it would have been going up and down regardless of that situation. So um, gotta give, you know, gotta give props to Peterson just for being, uh, for no fear, um, going for the fourth down on multiple occasions. Uh, Foles playing big and, uh, Philadelphia's defense coming up big when they had to. And it'll be interesting to see this offseason how Philly deals with the Nick Foles situation. And I personally don't think they're gonna get rid of Nick Foles. Until I don't think they'll get rid of Nick Foles just because they don't know about Wentz and how his knee is going to progress, at least for the first quarter of the season. So I don't think there's going to be any QB controversy. It's Wentz's team, and Foles is going to do what he needs to do until to otherwise. Uh, I'm, I may disagree with you on that. I really think that there may will be some controversy. Um, I think that even though Carlson Wentz um, is, if anything, they'll give them, they're more confident to know that now they don't have to rush Carlson Wentz's recovery. Um, but I really think that at the end of the day, somebody is going to make an offer to Foles that's going to be too good to be true. Um, I really think that they may make something, you know, I think – whether it's to Foles himself or to the Eagles, I think somebody's going to make an offer where they're going to say, 
you know, hey, we're willing to give this up. You know, we, you know, it might be something. I don't know if um, Phyllis is a free agent or not. Um, he's not. So I would not be surprised if teams make an offer for him um, this summer. Um, whether or not Philly does something with that, that's a here or there. Um, but I would not be surprised if teams look at interest at Nick Foles um, during, a, during the offseason. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's going to be an immediate quarterback controversy. I kind of, I kind of agree with kind of both of you. I think there's the potential of one, depending on how Carson Wentz's um, return is. I think that um, they're, they're not going to let him go. I think they'll be stupid at this point to let him go unless they get an offer that they can't refuse, which would be somebody offering them a first round top 10 pick, you know, for him. And even, I don't think he's worth that, but I mean, I think it have to be something where the Eagles just couldn't, you know, you know, just couldn't refuse. But no, I think they keep Nick Foles. I think they're going to keep him as insurance policy against Carson Wentz. The potential could be if Wentz, you know, he's going to now, he's going to feel that angst to come back as quickly as he possibly can, maybe a little bit sooner than what he wants to, than what he wants. And if he comes back and he plays good, and he recovers well in the mid through season, then everything was all fine. And I can probably see Philadelphia Eagles maybe mid season if some teams that need a QB, like those live teams need a QB this past season, um, maybe they might be willing to kind of, you know, trade mid season and maybe get some pick, picks back or some cash or something. But if Carson Wentz comes back, he doesn't play all that well, then you're going to have the fans going to be like, well, look, Nick Foles, you know, took us to the promised land, completely forgetting that Carson Wentz got him 11-1. So, I don't know. Like I said, I don't, they're not going to probably let him go. I don't see a QB controversy, but there's the potential if Carson Wentz doesn't come back that well and stinks it up. Um, personally, I don't think anybody will trade for Wentz and I say that because and I'm sorry for fools. Um, because the way Foles, the way the offense was set up for Foles in these last few games and in the playoffs, and how he played on his first stint with Philly under Chip Kelly, I'm not saying it was a zone read type of offense, but it was a scenario where it was. Three-step drops, get the ball out your hair rather quickly, be very decisive with the passing, um, spread the ball around, quick passes, etc. Unless a team is willing to uh, put an offense around on on uh, Foles, around Foles' strengths, I just don't see where a team would try to pay top dollars or try to trade for him. Possibly, but like you said, we don't know. You don't know what the landscape is going to be next season. I mean, there was a lot of teams that was, you know, you know, clamoring for QBs this past season. So, I mean, any desperate team out there that's looking for a QB and if you got this, you know, Super Bowl MVP, now I do agree it was much more the offensive setup that probably helped them a lot better. So you don't know how he would do with a team that was a totally different offense. But I mean, I'll, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, Carson Wentz is playing good. There's a couple of teams in need of a QB. 
you always you always pick up the phone, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone calls and inquires if they was really desperate. I mean, look at what happened last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that I I, I, I kind of agree with you on as far as the midseason um, to take a look to see what Carlson Wentz is all about. If he's back to form, if he's back to normal, then I I, I think that would probably be the most the most beneficial time for someone to look at a quarterback, especially if somebody a quarterback goes down next season um, and needs that rental. Um, what what more of an attractive piece than somebody that just won Super Bowl MVP? I agree. I mean, he went to the, the Rams with Jeff Fisher, and Jeff Fisher just was, was a disaster there. So, I mean, he, he had been coaching probably five years way past his prime. But, I mean, like you said, he was with Chip Kelly. He he, he played great. You know, they lost in the first round. He comes back the next year. Chip Kelly gets rid of some of his good toys, you know, namely, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Shady McCoy. And, you know, the production dropped, and then eventually – he left and went to St. Louis, and it was just nothing was there. And so, you know, he winds up back in Kansas City with, you know, um, you know, Doug Peterson, um, and then he brings him over to the Philadelphia. But like, like you said, it was the system. I agree that worked well for him. They was able to just to kind of insert him and then just play to his strengths, tailor the offense around to what he does, and then, you know. You know, they took it from there. It didn't look pretty. I mean, you only really had two games where it looked pretty. That was the NFC Championship game <laughs> in the Super Bowl. So I guess, uh, if you want to look, you know, look pretty in two games, I guess those would be the two ones you want to look pretty in. But, uh, so let me, wait, let me ask you guys a question then. Um, so do you really think that, because we, we talk about this all the time with quarterbacks, you know, how they play and everything. Do you think it's, do you still think it's the experience of the quarterback or more so of the system of the team, the offense, I should say? Um, like we talked um, a couple of times about like Tom Brady um, being the best that he is in the quarterback era, but, you know, is it more the system that he's in because he stayed with the New England Patriots? You see how successful when Brady was not there, um, Jimmy Garoppolo was. So do you guys think that it's, you know, the system plays part of it, or do you still think that, you know, all deals with the quarterback and how he plays um, in that system? Um, you know, they were talking about that on the radio here in the Baltimore area about, I want to say that was either earlier this week or late last week. Probably was earlier this week because of how Brady performed in the Super Bowl, but the question was, they were talking about all the backups behind Brady, how Castle sucked once he left. Um, Garoppolo is doing well. Um, I think it had everything to do with um, the offense coordinator for New England going to Indianapolis and having Jacoby Brissett. And... Um, I want to say it has Brady is a great quarterback. So I think Brady would have been great wherever he was. But as far as uh, Foles is concerned, 
I think he fits a certain system per se, but not many teams run that system. So he has to be willing to make the offense, curtail the offense around him. And that's why the first few games under under, uh, Foles were kind of bad because I think that's when they were kind of altering the offense to shape towards his, uh, towards what he's good at. And it only started clicking in the NFC Championship in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I think some people have God-given talent, and then I think some people need the system. I mean, when, when I mean, you think of the New England Patriots, and you know, you can talk about this on our ne- segue to our next segment. You know, with, with the Patriots and their QBs, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, he seemed to pick up on that 49ers, you know, offensive, you know, offensive scheme pretty good. I'm not sure how close it mirrors. New England's or the similarities, but you seem to pick on it pretty, pretty good after, you know, a couple of weeks studying it as, you know, as some other quarterbacks, like you said, Matt Castle, for instance, you know, flamed out. Jacoby Brissett, you know, was not doing, he did okay, but he didn't, but he did definitely have some growing pains in, in the cult system. So I think it's a combination of, of two. If you have some people that just have God-given talent, then they can just make it work. Other people, they need that system. The system works. And we've seen QBs go from one place to another, and it just don't fit right. I've said it a million times. I was like, you know, you think of that that Prescott, his first year. Mm-hmm. That offense was built. That offense and defense was built specifically for Tony Romo, not for him. You know, they drafted, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, fourth-round pick for Tony Romo. Not for him, so he can be the workhorse and run that football. That comes in. He's having a monster year, but it was a lot of play action pass, read passes. They weren't even asking him to do a whole lot. They tailored the system to fit what he does well. Basically, let the running game control the line of scrimmage. Defense kind of did their part, but didn't have to get put into much pressure. He didn't have to win a game. You basically just hand the ball to Zeke, I mean, to Zeke Elliott, and then you make these short passes. The system made him look a lot better than what he really was. And then we saw in the second season, once Zeke was was down, and they kind of had to try to make that system work better for him, there was a dip-off because, you know, they changed the system up to try to do a lot more than the first system that curtailed a lot more of his um ability. So some people have God-given talent. They can come right in and do it. Others, the system helps them out. And so I guess that segues into our next segment. Of course, you have the winners, the Philadelphia Eagles. The parade is tomorrow, and Philadelphia is going to be on lock. On the other side, we have the losers, New England Patriots, and all. It's not well over there. Um, So what are you guys' thoughts with Josh McDaniels? (laughs) Basically, you know, verbally agreeing to be the um, Indianapolis Colts coach. But then reneges and uh, comes back to be the uh, offensive coordinator. Do you guys think that Bill Belichick is on his way out sooner or later? Sooner. Yeah, I agree. Sooner. Um, I say that because Tom Brady is pretty much coming down. Uh, I, I said it before. I. I think I said this with 
Jackson, if Jacksonville would have beat New England, that this would have been Brady coming down off the peak. Uh, personally, I don't think. I don't think it will. I think this is his last Super Bowl. I doubt he's going to make it back to another Super Bowl. So, with that being said, I think Bill is going to groom McDaniels uh, to be his successor. I think they're going to try to find their new QB, hold on to him, and then try to put him in the best uh, the best situation possible to continue the dynasty of the New England Patriots. But I doubt that McDaniels will ever come up and uh, be as successful as uh, as Bill was. So I do think he's going to take over sooner or later. I think when Brady retires, Bill will retire, and McDaniels will move on and be the coach from there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I was, to be honest, I was thinking the same time when Brady goes, I think that's when Bill Belichick will go. Um, I think that I, to be honest, I, at first I thought that, you know, Bill was going to stay there. Um, but with so much, I mean, whether or not all of these rumors about what's going on in New England are true or not, um, I just think that it's just, it just seems as though that it looks like his time is almost up there. Um, now, how they handle it going for the future of the Patriots is one thing. So I think that's – I think they're just preparing for what's about to happen, um, which is one of the reasons why I think Josh didn't leave – I mean, came back, um, because I think there's so much more going on, under, you know, behind the scenes. Um, so, I mean, because he had – there was an opportunity for him in Minneapolis, um, not the best opportunity – to say, but all in all, it was still an opportunity. And for him to come back, it just shows that it was just something, something more is going on. Um, so I suspect that there's so much behind it that we may not know about right now, but it's going to come out to light sometime during the off season. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, but for some a couple of different reasons, I, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, a lot of turmoil and stuff going on in New England, a lot. I mean, there's probably always have been issues within New England, but this year it looks like this is the first time that things are actually coming to light. And I think that there's been a lot of friction between – well, I think there's been friction this year between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and even Tom Brady in the mix and the whole, you know, trading Jimmy Garoppolo, which Bill Belichick didn't want to do because he was looking, you know, for continuity in that offense because eventually Tom Brady was going to be on it his back nine, Jimmy Garoppolo could easily come in and, you know, keep the train moving. But, you know, the training of them, Robert Kraft's talking about people have to check their egos. I think there's a lot more clashes of heads and egos between, you know, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. And I think that Josh McDaniels coming back, I think he had to have certain assurances only by the owner that, you know, you're going to be the next man up. And, I don't know. Something something doesn't smell right. I think the loss, the whole thing with Malcolm Butler, which we haven't really gotten into, you know, why was he benched? You know, that's questions there. And, you know, it's kind of friction with Tom Brady a little bit. It, it's something else is going on. I would not be entirely surprised if Bill Belichick goes before Brady. Before Brady. Yeah, I, I 
it wouldn't even surprise me if Bill Belichick actually retired before beginning of this, before the beginning of next season. Because I think there's a lot of stuff going on. And at the end of the day, Robert Kraft pays the checks and he brought them back because why would you even allow him to even interview with the, you know, the Colts? I mean, he had to give him permission. He did. He accepted the job. He couldn't sign on the dotted line. But then you bring him back and he, you know, sp- you know, sponge the, um, the Colts. So uh, I think it's a lot more. I agree with both of y'all, but I think it's a lot more for entirely different reasons. And I'm getting the feeling that Bill Belichick might be the odd man out on this one. So you don't think he'll become the coach of the Giants? No. They already got a coach. And the the, the Mars, have they, the way that they handled, you know, the whole Eli thing was 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 bad, but they're not going to just hire a coach and then take him off just for Bill Belichick. That would be a bad PR stunt all the way through. I think you don't know what's going to go on, and I wouldn't be beholden to just Bill Belichick because you really don't know what he's going to do. Now, if he retires and things don't work out with Pat Schumer and then in a couple of years, Bill Belichick decides they want to coach him, yeah, but they wouldn't just hire a guy fire him just to get Bill Belichick in. But that's a Hall of Fame coach. That's not typically how they do business, though. I agree, Hall of Fame coach, but that's they'll wait and see if he flames out. If Bill Belichick really wants the Giants job, he would just he would just, you know, quit and just, you know, sit out for a year or two and see how the whole thing with, you know, the Giants goes. If it blows up, you can call the Mars like, hey, if you want me, I'm, I'm available. Oh, just aside, I would love to see him coach Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you really want to show your legacy and you can get Cleveland out of where they are right now to where they and Coach Bill can take them like to the playoffs or something, can you imagine how much, like, I would, to be honest, that's when I would respect them a whole lot more. Hey, they got two first round picks. I mean, they have the opportunity, you know, to um, you know, get get right in the hurry, you know, depending on how the um the Cleveland front office does, but they're the Browns. I have no faith in them. They're they'll screw it up somehow. They'll probably they'll probably sign Kirk I mean Kirk Cousins and trade both of the picks, you know, for somebody that won't amount to Hill of Beans or Kirk Cousins are probably coming there and get hurt by the third game and then they'll be just passed out again. RG3 effect, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Good way. Good way. Oh, man. Huh. Well, um, well, it will be interesting. I, I, I think, I think all the talks of Brady playing until he's 44, I think he'd be done before he's 43. Um, he just, yeah. You know, if if Philly would have put any sort of pressure on Brady, if the defense didn't seem to play so lax, um, at least in my opinion, because there were just a lot of wide-open throws, um, I think they were – I think they almost was daring New England to run the ball saying that we're going to drop eight in coverage and I just dare you to run the ball, and if you run the ball, so be it. Um, 
So if if there was a if there was a if there was a significant type of rush and Brady was just getting knocked on his butt every play, getting smashed, getting you know hit, <laughs> you know, I think I think it's going to come to a point where he's going to have a situation where he's going to get pounded on, it. and the offensive line is just not going to do the job like it once was, and you'll see that forty-four number card start creeping down ever so slightly, very quickly though. <laughs> yeah, he was he was getting he, he he was getting hit by the um Jacksonville. They was laying some licks on him in that game. Mm-hmm. Think about if he had to take that for a sixteen game season, how would he feel? I doubt he want to play till he's forty four. Yeah, but you know what? It's funny because he still got the blueprint of you know that obviously is a blueprint um for teams to to you know going forward. So I'm very curious to see. How next season progress if he, you know, if, if they stay the status quo, um, to see whether or not defenses is going to actually challenge them, um, to a point where, you know, who knows? Maybe a lot more teams will have a better, um, what's what I'm looking for? A better shot at beating New England than they did this season. Maybe things will change. Maybe that will be the, the opening. I guess you would, you know, you will see AFC team, AFC teams actually beating New England. Um, drop them down a couple of pegs. Um, based off of that, you know, based off of what they saw from the Super Bowl and from the defenses that, you know, like Philly and Jacksonville did. So hopefully that, you know, they would, some teams will take that and use that to their advantage. Yeah, I guess you got two ways of two blueprints. I mean, you got, you know, the Giants are blueprint where you have a front, you know, a front four that can stay up in his grill and keep the heat on him and make him get off his timing, or you can do what the Eagles did and basically just try to outscore him. <laughs> True, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, the blueprint is there, just like you said. You know, the teams that when the Giants beat them, when the Jets would beat them, um, when teams had beat them, it's because they got the Brady they got to him a lot. Took with you know, knock his timing off. And when he does that, he gets frustrated just like any other quarterback gets pissed off and doesn't play very well. But just it's been not too many teams can do it. Sure. But if you but if you got Jacksonville and you get other teams in the AFC East to get some uh get back to that dominating defensive style and he really start roughing him up a little bit, I guarantee that he's not going to be the same 12-4, and 13-3 uh, and three type of team. It'll be more like a 9-7, and 10-6. Uh, but the, um, I guess my last thought on this is that, you know, in my opinion, what the, uh, what the um, Philadelphia Eagles did and even the Jacksonville Jaguars to a large degree, you know, kind of Crack, I won't say crack the mystique, but I think, you know, telling people don't fear them, you know, don't come in there and cower, seeing the five banners, you know, you got to play a, com- a complete game, Jacksonville. <laughs> and, you know, if you have the, um, if you can't get much pressure on them and if you have the offense that can really, you know, throw the points, just keep running with them, you know, eventually, you know, let your defense make a play. So I think a lot of people are not going to be scared and, there's a lot hungry, younger teams out there with some good, strong defenses that's going to be coming at Brady. And I think that I'm almost in agreement with you, Ace. I think this might be the last time the New England Patriots with Tom Brady 
sniff the Super Bowl. Yep. Like Herman would say, you play to win the game. Exactly. <laughs> he ain't going to win the big game no more. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to segue over to um, to our other favorite sport, basketball. NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. Um, so I haven't seen any major willing and feeling. I don't think there's any major trades that we've you know heard of outside of the um, uh, Blake Griffin trade to the Detroit Pistons, where I thought Detroit gave up too much off the cupboard. But you know that's just my personal opinion. However. Um, the Knicks, their their big man went out with a torn ACL, and that's just oof. Not that they were doing anything, but that was about the only thing you really had going for the Knicks at this time. So, and of course, you know the Cavaliers are just playing ass right now, and that's being very kind. So, um, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. There's not much movement they can. You know, Isaiah Thomas, the little Isaiah Thomas, not the real one, was popping off at his mouth to Kevin Love, talking about he might have been the problem. Kevin Love ain't playing now. Somebody's the problem, and it darn sure wasn't him. So, in my opinion, is there? Do you guys think there's any trades that can be made with the Cleveland Cavaliers by tomorrow? Um, I don't know. I know I saw something about Kimball Walker. Um, but I, I, I'm seriously, I'm seriously having a, a theory that. IT being pissed that he got traded from Boston, going to Cleveland, not knowing if LeBron is going to stay in Cleveland fast this year. I wonder if him and uh, what's the other dude's name that came in? Crowder. Yeah. If they're purposely not playing the defense that they once were because they know the team is going to implode come at the end of the season, and they just don't want to be there. Because I saw some clips, and it's like Isaiah ain't playing no D whatsoever. Crowder was supposed to be specialized in being a defender, ain't playing no D. Um, it's like they don't care. It's just like, okay, we're there. We're going to collect our check. You know he's gone. We don't want to be here. So if we just do what we need to do and get out, and then we can move forward. And if that's the case, then Cleveland really got bamboozled in that trade. And Kyrie looks like, you know, the dude that believes that the earth is flat. And (laughs) (laughs) it's some sort of ultra god because, uh, you know, he started writing on the wall. Um. I'm really not going to spend most time on the class because I'm t- kind of tired of talking about them in, in so many different ways. Um, I will say this. I agree with what you say in Ace about IT from a defensive liability standpoint, but I already said before last time too, um, this ownership is still on LeBron. Um, and to be honest, from the past couple of games, I'm seeing he's not even doing that as well. Um, he's not even playing defense the way that he should be playing defense. He's not even held, holding these people accountable for the problems that they're having. And Cleveland is in a position, and I said this before, to be honest with you. I don't even think Cleveland – I said Cleveland is not going to even get out of the second round. 
I really don't think that at the way that they're playing right now, if they don't make anything by tomorrow's deadline, I think they're too dysfunctional to even get out of the first round or even make the playoffs. I'm dropping it even further there. Until they get their act together, I really don't – I don't even see them challenging Toronto or Boston. They're playing the, – I mean, Toronto and Boston right now is playing the best in the Eastern Conference, hands down. I don't even see Cleveland as a third team. Um, the only reason why I see them a third team now is because Washington lost John Wall, and that whole debacle with the Wizards is another thing. But um, all in all with Cleveland, they, they – they, it's just too dysfunctional right now. And if they were to get their act together, it'd be interesting. I think that would be more of a story than them actually getting their act together. How they're going to fix it is really the question. And right now, I don't know if they can actually fix it with this in the second half of the NBA season. So we'll see how it plays out. But that whole thing when they got blown out by Houston and then just last night losing to Magic, to Orlando Magic, when it was up by 20-something points. Like, that alone shows me that there's so much problems with this team. And they're too old. They're a year older, and that's where they are right now. So we'll see how things play out. Yeah, you know, I'm in agreement. I don't think there's really no trades out there that they can't really make. I mean, um, I think I just heard Lou Williams is going to re-up with, you know, re-up his contract. So that's another person off the table. Um, I don't think they have enough cachet to get DeAndre Jordan, Jordan there. And even if they did, he's not going to be the, the answer. Um, I mean, you have to give up that, that Nets pick. And, and right now, I don't think Gilbert is willing to give up that Nets pick. And if you write perfectly honest, I don't blame Because <laughs> right now, your main star, LeBron James, A, has said he's not waiving his no-trade clause, but B, has not given any indication that he's willing to resign. So basically, being held hostage to the end of the season with the hope that you think that he would resign. Even if he does resign, he's going to command a big salary. Where is that going to leave your team? I think that the, the Celtics have gotten a better part of that deal. And I thought the Celtics got a better part of that deal from day one. Um, you know, Jay Crowder thought it was going to be a little bit better. It wasn't. They should have went after, you know, they should have went after um, Smart. But, you know, they wanted Jay Crowder. And, you know, you see what's happening with them. Celtics are flying high. Right now the Cavs have a lot of problems. And their problems compounded once Kevin Love went out. And he is their second best player, not Isaiah Thomas. Um, my personally, I think that if he comes back, Isaiah Thomas needs to be on the bench, needs to shut his mouth and let Kevin, Kevin Love be that second option. Cause when he was, they were playing a lot better than they're playing right now. And, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think there's any team in the East willing to help them out right now. I think they're perfectly fine looking at the Cavaliers while on their own misery. I think they're going to get past the second round, but I think if they meet um, the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to lose. So right now, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to probably have to just make do with what they got. Maybe they can move a few pieces here and there to kind of clean up the locker room. But right now, I don't see them making it to the finals. They'll either lose to, you know, Houston Rockets, 
I think they'll lose to the OK to the Oklahoma City Thunder if they met them there. Probably the Warriors, if the Warriors make it there, because the Warriors are showing a little bit of issues on their end, but I don't know if there's just a blip or a trend. Wait, you said you guys, you still got Cleveland in the finals? No, I said if they were to make it to the finals. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're not beating, they're not beating the Houston Rockets. I don't think if OKC was to make it there, they're going to beat OKC and they're not going to beat the Warriors as is, depending on if the Warriors themselves make it to the, make it to the finals. Real quick about the Warriors. I, I, I mean, I know we talked about the Cavs, but real quick about the Warriors. They really need to shut up too. I mean, let's, 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 I mean, you, usually I would say you defend them as much as I could, but all jokes aside, like the referees is not in the back or not trying to get you. And it's really, let's just, these referees, they're not all, you know, they're going to make mistakes and you have some referees that are, that are, you know, new to the system because a lot of the experienced referees retired, but to keep going back and forth with the referees about them, you know, blaming them for missed calls, everybody makes mistakes, man. Like move from it. Like to be honest, it's getting to a point where it's getting ridiculous now because you're sitting here complaining about a call that didn't go your way. Like it's, it's one time, it's, it's one thing to do it every so often or, you know, not even every so often, but once in a while, but, but it seems as though that you're taking what the Clippers used to do as far as complaining to the refs, and now you becoming that team. Like, it's gotten worse. Like, you know, Draymond Green, that was unnecessary. All jokes aside, like, he should have just walked away. Like, it's getting ridiculous. I mean, Golden State needs to just, just play ball. All jokes aside, they need to just shut up, they play ball. Serious, I mean, I mean, you don't get no clearer than that. And I think they should be held accountable when they go after. I mean, not saying go after them, but like referees, but they just need to make it more restrictions. Like, not even look at the referees. Let somebody, let the coach handle it. I think that's really where it should go to. Let the coach handle the referees if there's a problem. Players need to just play ball. That's just my opinion on that. Warriors suck. <laughs> Nah, Houston is going to give them a run. I, I really believe Houston, the way that they're constructed right now, they're going to give them a run. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, right now, I think the playoffs started right now. This Houston Rockets would, are, would be the second seed, so they wouldn't meet until the Western Conference Finals. Actually, Houston and OKC will have to meet in the, in the second round before either one of them gets to the Warriors. So, I'm the Warriors. I, I prefer to have them, <laughs> you know, go toe to toe, and then you, you know, play the winner of of what's left. But um, definitely agree with that. Yeah, but I agree. I mean, yeah, sometimes just 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 be quiet and shut up and just play the ball. And I, yet you're not getting all the calls. I mean, just just live with it. <laughs> yeah, just accept it and move to the next play. I mean, is it like? It's getting too ridiculous now. Like, just just move to the next play. And then, to be honest, this should be a requirement for that. The people once they with the game is over, shake the referee's hand. Like, build that bond up. Like, don't be going around talking bad about the referees. They don't have a platform to speak. You know, 
it don't make you even better because you getting, you know, you getting after the referees for bad calls or missed calls. Why don't you just play better game? That's just how I see it. So, no, I agree. Agree. <laughs> okay, buddy. Well, I believe that's about our time coming to an end. Um, so we want to thank everybody for, um, you know, subscribing, listening to our show. Any comments? Anything you want us to discuss? Please feel free to, you know, to let us know at any time. Um, so, guys, um, before we head off, let them know where they can find you. At. You can find me on Twitter, Cat Daddy One Nine Six Three, Cat Daddy One Nine Six Three on Twitter. <laughs> Love the music there. Oh, you can find me. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. I am Al Qualls again. Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Oh, dang, I thought you was getting a, a, a nice music intro in there, Ace. I was like, okay, there you go. <laughs> well, you can find me on. Um, you know, the gram, Snapchat, and um, Twitter, J-E-R-O-S-S-7-at. And as we say, that is it. So as I'll say always, love, peace, and soul. Till next week, fellas. God bless everybody. Have a good one. Later. No military parades. <laughs>